0: Welcome to the Abundant Woman virtual event. I am your host, Samantha Siemens, and I have a question for you. Are you always doing something, but you never feel like you're doing enough? I know for me, I can say a big fat yes. And so I've asked my friend, Tori Hine, to come and have an incredible conversation with us that you are not going to want to miss. Tori is a trauma-informed coach who helps ambitious women of faith work from their worth rather than for it by helping them heal the dysfunctional patterns in their story and activate their God-given gifts from a place of wholeness. Thank you so much for being here and welcome, Tori.
1: It's such an honor to be here with you, Samantha. Thank you for having me.
0: So I would love for you, we're just going to dive right in, and I would love for you to share a part of your story where you've experienced this. Always doing something, but not feeling like you're doing enough.
1: Oh, man. I mean, this is my whole life story, and it is the redemption of my story anchored in the worth and the identity that we receive from Jesus. Um, uh, Growing up, I'm from a Christian background. My parents worked in ministry. My mom's a teacher. Um, From a very young age, I remember feeling an intrinsic worth attached to what I could do for others and what I could achieve to prove goodness and worthiness. Um, And it's interesting for people like me, where we've grown up in the church and for a long time, I didn't feel like I had a story, yet let alone a story of trauma. I always dismissed and bypassed the pain in my story because Jesus was always a part of it and there wasn't space to be able to name and wrestle with the grief and the betrayal and the brokenness that I encountered in my story, because good little Christians just do kingdom work for the sake of other people, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so grief was not something that I ever really participated in necessarily, or was... um, Given an example of um, boundaries were always pushed when it came to ministry and effort and work and busyness. It was just the way that we lived. So then, when I became a mom at 21 and my husband um, got a record deal, he's a Christian music artist um, in a band called I Am They. All of a sudden, our lives fast forwarded very fast pace. And I wanted to um, catch up and to be a part and to not be left out. But it was a season of rejection. And it was a season where I felt like I was being benched by God, being left at home, raising children while my husband went out and did impressive things for Jesus. And the abandonment and the rejection that I felt in that season of my life, I, um, I tried to numb with working. Working mm-hmm. harder, working more, creating um, income for my family and for my husband to be able to do what God had called him to do, and that led me down an entrepreneurial fast uh, fast pace. In that, I had an Etsy store, and then I spent um, almost a decade of time doing online sales with a network marketing company. And in 2020, there was a um, a bookmark for me um, because as many of us experienced in 2020, there was a reckoning and there was a common ground of trauma that we all um, experienced together. But what we all saw during that year was we were taking a real good look at the life that we were living that got interrupted and to consider, how do we want to move forward from here? Um, And up until that point, um, my life had gone so fast and it w- there was no time to breathe or to rest or stillness or silence and solitude until that year where you're met face to face with the um, space, right? Yeah. And in that space, I was reconnected um, with a friend that I had met the year before named Carrie Garcia, who um, really crawled into the depths of my story with me to name brokenness and harm that had never been named before, And the veil was torn for me to realize and witness for the first time that there was brokenness that had still not been cared for. And much of the ambition and the achievement that I had chased after, much of these things being praised by the people around me actually had a very diseased root system of fear. Um, Mm -hmm. And I needed care. In my body, I needed care in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit, which has then pivoted me over the last three years to the trauma-informed coaching work that I now have the pleasure of being able to do because I believe that there are many women that are doing good things for God and for others that don't realize that they're trapped in these dysfunctional cycles of um, behavior modification and self-sabotage. Because on the outside looking in, they think that if they could just do more or be more or have more or achieve more, and if it's all done for the glory of God and the good of others, then they've secured themselves in a place of worth. But what happens there is that once they lose something, a job, a title, um, safety, a relationship, changes in their career, changes in their workplace or in their um, home, all of a sudden that sense of security is really threatened because they've placed it in things outside of themselves rather than intrinsically and eternally securing it in the safety that we can find in Christ.
0: So good. So good. And so powerful. And I resonate with a lot of that as a PK. Um, yes. And so what brought you to like, how, how did you know that something wasn't right? Like what were
1: the first sort of identifiers for you? Absolutely. So, um, One of the things that I'll I'll start with, and then I'll end up answering that question as far as like for myself personally, is understanding the nervous system, getting language around that. Um, And once you're able to identify some of these nervous system responses, um, you're actually able to invite God into what you're physically experiencing to have a spiritual and emotional and even a cognitive and like, um, relational response because God has masterfully created our bodies with remarkable nervous systems. And that's comprised of, this is a short little science lesson for us. (laughs) Comprised of the brain, the spinal cord, the nerves, and this intricate system coordinates our actions and it processes all of our sensory information and it controls essential bodily functions like breathing and digestion. But our nervous systems also generate uh, emotions, including the feeling of fear. And the primary function of our nervous system is to ensure our survival and our safety. And so considering that God has designed our nervous system to respond to threats, um, uh, something became very clear for me when I began to understand this, that fear and anxiety or restlessness or overwhelm and all of these emotions that fuel that, I feel like I'm never doing enough, but yet I am always doing something sort of existence, um, is another way of saying you are in, um you are in hyper arousal outside of your window of tolerance and you are in a place of stress and um you're ready to either fight or flight <laughs> or freeze in some cases which would be that um hyporegulation in our nervous system where we numb out where we disconnect and what happened for me in in my story is that this hyperregulation of the nervous system um were the like shots of cortisol, the shots of adrenaline that sometimes I would wake up in the morning feeling. Um, and this doesn't mean that I'm I'm perfect on the other side. Like last week, I had a very anxious feeling week and it, it involved like curiosity and compassion and inviting the Lord in to help me understand why these feelings were there. It's not like our bodies never experienced this on the other side of healing, but now I can actually name it. Before that feeling of anxiousness and overwhelm that I would wake up with would immediately jump me out of bed into my to-do list and into my gym routine and into motherhood details and business details. And we run, 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 and we go, go, go. And for women that are naturally ambitious and have high capacities, this is what we're actually praised for Mm
0: -hmm. all
1: my life. From as early as 8 years old into 11 years old, there were moments of pain in my story that were bypassed because I wanted to show other people that I was strong, that I was capable, that I could handle a lot. And that made me feel a sense of worthiness and love and belonging. And it secured for me a place as a leader in my circles. And um, I didn't have... Any idea that this was actually uh, uh, me existing in a perpetual state of fear that was fueling a desire for safety outside of the security of who God was and into what I could produce and what I could do for him, Mm. which is um, very nuanced and it requires a lot of compassion and understanding for our stories and the damage and the brokenness in our stories to be able to even name when those things happen. Hopefully that makes sense. And it's a good enough answer to your question.
0: <laughs> no, it it totally does. I, um yes, I completely understand. We were talking a little bit before we hit record and I was telling you about laying down the marketing business, but also in that was, was burnout, was physical burnout yes. where my body had taken a physical toll. And I didn't understand it because I was so used to, um, doing so much and always having this functioning high to-do list and like capacity to do a million things. And, and again, like you said, like I was known for that, like you're so busy and I don't be like, I'm not that busy. It's fine. Right. But at (laughs) some point the, my physical body took the hit and it was just, it was done. And so it manifested its way self in so many different, like physical ailment yeah. that, I was like, I had no idea. I just thought I could do more. <laughs> and it was all good because I was serving and loving people for the kingdom.
1: And that. Oh, totally. And Don't you find that you just said it? Um, you just said it. I just need to do more of something. You know, yeah. we feel mm-hmm. the attention in our bodies. We feel this hyper-regulation in our nervous system. We feel the, you know, the um, hypervigilance, the attentive to detail, the the women that like me and maybe you too, Samantha, where we're able to go, I can listen to three different conversations happening at once and a podcast in one ear and cooking and then typing an email. And it's just this like constant go, go, go. And the answer often when we find these places of burnout and when we begin to feel that resistance in our spirit where we know that there is something wrong, we begin to wonder, is this really the abundant life that God has called us to? This is the abundant woman virtual event. And Jesus told us in scripture, I have come so that you could have life and life to the full. And you begin to wonder, for me in my sales job and for me in my ministry, I'm like, so do we just, you know, rally people and we just get them on this hustle train so that they could endlessly like try to reach for the next dollar amount and the next sale amount and the next trip mm-hmm. and the next this or and more and more and more. And then do we invite them into church? church to encounter the presence and the love of God, only then to just do church life and volunteer and spend all of their extra waking hours within the walls of the church to burn out for the sake of ministry. Is this the abundant life that God has called us to behavior, Um, biblical behavior modification? No. Jesus has an invitation. He extends an invitation for us that first John five beautifully describes in that perfect love casts out fear. Um, I read this actually to our online community and I read this, um, the it's first John four eighteen, where it says there is no fear in love for for perfect love casts out fear. I asked my online community, how does this land on you? And one woman said, I feel so comforted. It feels like a hug, you know? Mm -hmm. And another woman said, well, actually that makes me question whether or not I've ever experienced or encountered the love of God because I'm still fearful every single day of something. Yeah. Um, And another honest friend said, that was the verse that made me white knuckle my way through the last decade. Just don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. And I want you to, and I use this analogy a lot um, where I want you to imagine like a young child coming to you when they're afraid in the middle of the night. My daughter is six. So I'll, I'll use her as an example. If my daughter Amara comes into my bedroom at night and says, Mom, I'm really afraid. I woke up, I had a nightmare. And if my response to her was just, don't be afraid, go back to bed, how effective do you think that would be? Probably not super effective. It's like, of course, I don't want to be afraid. That's why I'm with you. (laughs) And yet we're met with this in, in Christian circles all the time is the just let go and let God. I know that you're balancing multiple streams of income and multiple children and you're feeling super stressed out, just quit everything. Or it's just surrender the outcomes. Or it's these like Christian cliches when the reality is, is that for me, someone needed to crawl into the depths of the brokenness in my story at age eight, at age 11, at age 15, at age 18, at age 22, at age 25, to name where fear came in to rewrite my neuropathways in my brain to create barricades that would create safety for me and secure a place of love and belonging. If I'm only met with the answer is, I'm, God, I'm afraid. So that's why I grew another business. God, I'm afraid. That's why I signed up for another like extreme diet and exercise program. God, I'm afraid. That's why I signed up for another ministry opportunity that I'm going to volunteer in at a church. Am I worthy? Am I doing enough? Is it good enough for you, God? I feel like I'm missing the mark. What do I do? This is in essence, the same, the same as us coming before God, like little girls awoken in the middle of the night and coming before Jesus and going, I'm afraid. And the beautiful thing is that our heavenly father does not just turn us away and go, don't be afraid. There's no reason for you to be afraid. Yeah. But instead He takes our hand and he walks us back to our bed. And like I do for my daughter, I rub her back and I let her calm down until she's calm enough to say, I feel safe. I can fall back asleep again. I had this understanding and this revelation of the love of God actually casting out fear is not us just white knuckling our way through or behavior modifying our way through or quitting on all of the things that create this chaos and this turmoil, but it's actually an invasion of love that comes in to rewrite our neural pathways in our brain from what fear once wrote to what love is now rewriting and what love is now redeeming. And it's, it's a comfort to know that like, that I'm not crazy to feel this way. Cause I'm like, literally I could not do more. Okay. I have laid on the altar of the kingdom of God over and over and over and my family suffered and my marriage suffered and my body was dismissed and these the key things where i'm like even the care for our physical body is worship honoring god with the limitation of our human bodies with rest and nourishment and care and play and creativity and margin is worship and yet we live in a culture both in and outside of the church that puts the stamp of approval and the worthiness for our existence on what we can achieve and what we can produce and what can be measured um and it's a comfort to know that like even Paul in in Romans 7, 21, when he's talking about this wrestle between the the flesh in the spirit, I find so much comfort in it because I'm like, I know this in my head. I know that God, I I know that I want to come to Jesus because I'm weary and I'm heavily burdened and I need rest. Yeah. I I want intimacy with God. I want, and I know in my brain, what it, what it means to like have relationship with Jesus. And yet, The responses in my physical body and the neural pathways in my brain are going, I'm not doing enough. There's not enough going on. I don't, I hadn't had enough sales this month or the bills and the money and this and that. And this is where the, you know, perfect love casts out fear. Um, And the presence of fear and the presence of sin is wrestling with this reality of the spirit that is alive and at work within us. And Paul proclaims at the very end of Romans 7 going, who will rescue me from this body of death, this body that is subject of death? And he responds with that proclamation with a praise that millions of people have sung and millions of people will for generations to come because it's our only answer. Thanks be to God who delivers. Presence tense. Me through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who delivers me. And um, all of a sudden, like this idea of the flesh this wrestle between the flesh And the spirit makes sense, and it's very nuanced in each of our stories. Like, I'm speaking about my story, but for each of you, there's a different form of self sabotage, there's a different spiritual gift that God wants to unlock in your life, but is clouded by the destruction and the damage in your story. It's this wrestle between the flesh and the spirit. And Jesus came to pay the price for our redemption with his body to break the power of fear by removing the punishment of death and when he Mm -hmm. rose from the grave and ascended into heaven he offers us his holy spirit to dwell within every human body that chooses to believe in him which means that in christ we now have access to the presence of love within our human bodies that brings transformation this love has the power as i've said before to rewrite the pathways of our brain that were engraved by fear and punishment to empower us to live for eternity now and in inviting the love of god into those places it's like seeing clearly for the first time an overflow of god's love reflected in all of creation already at work in and through every detail of your life including your own beautiful body on earth as it is in heaven
0: so so good So so many things, and I want this to be like a two-hour conversation. Um for (laughs) the women who I know (laughs) it is we're like this is you can have more access to Tori in just a little bit, but uh there's so many things. It's funny when you going back a tiny bit, when you were talking about like our physical bodies, and uh it's funny because I had the thought that I totally thought in real time, like, let me schedule self-care and (laughs) let me add that to my list of things to do as if it were a chore or duty to fix the exhaustion that my body Mm. was running through. And I don't know that was a freebie, but like, I want to know if, so if I am listening, I'm one of the women listening and we're like, yes, story. I feel this in my bones. Like there's something that's resonating with what you're saying. That is also reflecting to my history and my story what do we, what do, we like yeah. do about it? Like what sort of next steps?
1: Um, this is a little bit less of a practical one that I'll start with, but you actually have to grieve the damage in your story.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: You will not heal. You will go back to behavior modification every time. If, if the grief and the brokenness in your story is not empathetically held by a safe person, and not offered before God either. This is what we do in the work in our um, nonprofit Freedom Movement, in our trainings, in our three-day intensives. Um, If you come to both level one and level two, level two, we do a deep dive into story. And this, this work of diving into the depths of my story is the only thing that has shifted me away from behavior modification and into heart transformation. The brokenness in your story cannot be minimized or bypassed or dismissed any longer. It needs to be cared for by God. Um, And it's not until we get honest that there is a true and honest, like desire and a motivation to do these things. Cause like you said, you're like, I- I'm scheduling in self self care, which is very, very good. That's a very good beginning place is to schedule it. It's a whole other thing for it to be first nature and not even second nature, first nature. Right. Um, and in order for it to get there, then that means that the damage and the brokenness in your story needs to be named intended to Because for me, it's way different for me to approach um, the capacity for work or whatever with the full understanding of the trauma in my story that like backs it, that if I agree and I go back into that pattern, then I am allowing the enemy to have another round of heyday in my story. It's just a, it's a big, not on my watch. Um, Whereas before it was just like, oh, this sounds good to do. And this is just, you know, ministry, or this is just an extra, you know, business opportunity or whatever. The the root systems of your story need tending. And so it's not a practical ABC one, two, three step friends, although I know that you want it. This is a lifelong process of centralizing the presence of God in your story. There's a big difference between prioritizing God and centralizing his presence in everything that you do. Huge difference. In John 15, Jesus says, I just want you to remember this one thing. And and he's like getting, he's getting his disciples ready for him to leave. And go to the cross and die and then like leave for good and then send his presence, right? He's talking in John 15 and he uses one word 11 times. He uses the word remain. Some other translations, it's abide. Yeah. Remain, remain, like listen to it 11 times. Remain, 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 remain remain, remain with me. It's this with God identity that transforms everything about the the way that you approach your own self-care and the way that you approach your work is that you do it with God. Now your Bible study is no longer just a check mark in your morning. But it's something that you chew on and digest and process and live and embody with God who goes with you like the little girl back to, back to the bed and goes with you and says, hey, let's take it slow. Hey, you don't have to do that. Hey, I love you. Hey, you're safe. Hey, I'm with you. The presence of this loving God that embodies and gives to you the gifts of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This God gives it to you. And so now these things are no longer things that you're like, I just need to grow more patience. Mm -hmm. I just need to become more. Peaceful. I just need to schedule more things into my day to no. I want you to envision a heavenly, a good and and perfect heavenly father who is the embodiment of each of these characteristics of love, who crawls into the depths of your day-to-day and into the depths of the brokenness and pain in your story to offer you the presence of patience, to offer you the presence of self-control, offers you an example of love and joy. And after you receive this love, then you have something to exchange your fear for. And then you go, okay, I actually don't have to cave back into overworking. Okay, I actually don't have to cave back into overachieving or people pleasing or shaming or assuming or perfectionism. I don't have to cave back into this because I have another option of love here where I get to go with God and do it with him and he transforms your heart in that process.
0: Yeah. I want okay, I have two questions before we wrap up, but one of which is I want to clarify this because I feel like when we talk about topics like this or if we use words like grief or it yeah. it for some people it brings them back to like something traumatic, like awful, like this major milestone that has happened but for that's not all of our stories right and and so this is for the woman who maybe has had a good life and has had nothing traumatic or crazy or you know like that type of testimony but it's Mm -hmm. also for the woman who hasn't right it's for there's still pockets where the lord can heal and can um and and become more intimate with him and like bring his love in even if it hasn't been this huge
1: awful story sure so trauma in its definition is any experience of powerlessness Mm. there is no human being on earth that has not experienced trauma so friend if you're thinking i don't have a story i don't have pain that needs processing i don't have trauma in your story let me pop the pop your beautiful little bubble that you're living in and tell you that's not true. And what happens is trauma. We have an idea of what trauma means. I always dismissed it and thought that I didn't have it in my story because I've never been sexually abused or experienced a natural disaster or been neglected or abandoned, et cetera. These like big things. Um, But trauma is any experience of powerlessness that makes a mark in your mind, in your understanding of how you engage or approach the world around you. So if you're a Christian woman, and you literally have to sit on your hands in order to say no to something, because you don't know how, because you're so afraid of letting other people down and disappoint you, there is a thread of trauma in your story that has marked your brain in a way to where you actually believe that's the way that you secure safety is by securing it, by making other people secure and happy around you. And there is a thread in your storyline that, that helps you understand why that's present there. It's not just present for no reason. You have a lot of good reason of why it's present there. And so it's, uh, you know, I, I I don't have time to go into like my story and that these were not big, huge trauma moments, but these were moments where my understanding of who God was and my understanding of who I was was defined by these shattering moments of shalom in my story, these shattering mm-hmm. moments of peace, moments of rejection, abandonment, um, betrayal, um, injustice. These are present in every single one of our stories. And so when you're thinking it's actually a lot easier to like name capital T trauma because you can blatantly go, that was bad. (laughs) They shouldn't have done that to me. Mm -hmm. But when you're working under a manipulative church leader, and you trust them and you love them and they don't honor your boundaries and they dismiss your pain and they gaslight you and they make you feel like you've done something wrong. And that compounds over the course of eight years, all of a sudden you're like, it's harder for me to name the, what was wrong there. But I know there's something wrong there, but like someone else is going to have to crawl into my story to name it for me because I've been so like, nurtured in my story to believe that there was nothing wrong with that. That's just the way that things go. We're understanding like now more than ever before in this generation, that there is a stake in the ground of a, we don't want that kind of religion. We don't want that kind of dismissiveness. We want a, a authentic and a true relationship with Jesus. That's birthed out of wholeness. And yet we still have leaders that default to behavior modification because it's the easiest way to try to measure someone's progress with God. But these like lowercase T trauma moments and this capital case T trauma moment, if I were to describe it as like a um, seesaw. Compounded over time, what happens with these people that are like, I'm too blessed to be stressed, and God has just been so amazing, and I've had an incredibly good life, and I have nothing to complain about. They end up getting weighed down here, and then they're all of a sudden screaming at their children, and they don't like their husband anymore, and they're stressed out of their minds, and they can't sleep at night, and they're having digestive issues and, you know, like autoimmune problems. And they're going, Why? I'm not really sure. Oh, it's because all this compounded brokenness in your story has never been been named or dealt with or cared for. And so it is just as weighty as over here, somebody experiencing a capital T trauma where they're willing to process it. They're willing to go to care. They're willing to go to a coach or a therapist and like actually get through it because they know something needs caring for. But for each of us in our story, the fruit that is being produced in our life is coming from a root system of what we've experienced in our life, where we have encountered fear and brokenness and where we need the love of God to come in and mold and reshape those parts of our story to be redirected back um, to the Father in wholeness.
0: So good. Thank you for clarifying that because I know... A few years ago, I would have been like, eh, I don't have drama. Nothing horrible has ever happened to me. And I've lived a blessed life. Hashtag blessed.
1: <laughs> that
0: hasn't changed, but that was 100% my thought process. Um, the second thing yeah. I want you to touch on real quick before you give a word to these women is, uh, so this is hard work. This is holy work, and this is hard work. And so can you share a glimpse of what the other side looks like and I know this is work we do lifelong but can you describe a tiny bit of some of the like freedom you're feeling now like you've done some of this work what does that look like on the other end I want women to be encouraged
1: with like this isn't
0: awful all the time like there's there's hope there's abundance you you, Sarah
1: (laughs) yeah and I will say that even yeah, and even in the beginning stages, not a single part of it is awful. Some of it is rattling and some of it will cause you to have to look face to face into these broken places of your story, but the reason why this feels so awful is because you're afraid of going there. It's because you're it's because you're avoiding it. Um but when these things are engaged with the love of God, then yes, there's an unraveling in that. Gosh, for me, it meant that every single part of my life had to change. Um, mm. It meant that my career choice changed because I realized that the group of people that I was working alongside of couldn't facilitate or protect the boundaries that needed to be secure in order for me to heal. Um, it it ended up leading to huge decisions on moving and um you know changing career paths for my husband even and there's this there's this um ongoing process of like understanding with god which pathway do i take that leads to freedom and not back into bondage Mm -hmm. honestly freedom on the other side of it is being able to decipher between the two Because before they were all just here, muddied in some place where you're confused and you're lacking clarity. Um, But on the other side of healing, on the other side of healing, you understand what your God-given calling is. Everyone's talking about calling and sometimes they're talking about it in, um, in a way where they're talking about vocation, like your ability or your talents or your gifting or your work but wherever the enemy has come in to steal and kill and destroy is highlighting a place in your story where you are called by God to be a mouthpiece and a workmanship of hope for the lives of others to proclaim the goodness of God from a place of wholeness. So for me, now here I am on this podcast, talking to burned out, overworking, perfectionistic, people-pleasing, good girls for Jesus. And I'm, in, I'm crawling into this space to go, friend, there is another way. There's a road back to freedom. There's a road back to the garden before punishment and sin existed, where you could have unity with God and security in your identity and in your work in him. You want to come? Um, so on the other side of this healing work, You'll be able to identify where the particularities of your pain highlight the particularities of your God-given calling. This is what we do in freedom movement. This is like our whole, our whole purpose is to help people heal so that they can go back into those exact places of damage and brokenness to be healers in the lives of others so that free people, free people. Um, and so on the other side, if you're if you're desiring clarity about what god's called you to do if you're desiring confidence and a security that allows you to live out that first john or james chapter one life where it says let perseverance have its full work in you so that you could be made mature and complete and lacking nothing that is on the other side of this work where you know that you know that you know that you know what god has called you to and you may experience momentary distraction, but you're like, no, I've gone too far. I know too much. God has healed too much in my story for me to be able to go back to where I went. Where else would we go? He holds the keys to eternal life. Your path of your God-given calling hinges on the back of you naming and grieving and honoring the pain in your story.
0: Wow. Yes. And amen. Yes. I- yes. Okay, you've given us so much and so much goodness. And so I want you to uh leave us before we get into talking more about how we can connect with you. Leave us with sort of the last words of encouragement for these women that are listening.
1: Yeah. My one recur my one encouragement for you is that same word. Remain. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to hear like a podcast like this and or a training like this and go what do I do with that? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. the Holy spirit is the kindest and most caring mentor. He knows and has lived every single part of your story with you. There's never been a moment where he's abandoned you or he's rejected you, or he has left you. He's not, looming above you, waiting for you to figure it out. He is side by side, linked arms, rubbing your back, smiling at your face and going, I want to do it with you. And so you may not have all of the answers right now, and that's okay. You don't need all of the answers right now. Right now, what you need is just an honest conversation with God, maybe an honest conversation with a friend. And if you could get honest specifically about how you're feeling, um, on Freedom Academy's website, if you go to www.wearefm.org, we have a free training on these steps. Okay. Um, but to name what you are feeling with specificity to someone else and to God, number two is, um, to invite curiosity and compassion into that emotion How present is that emotion in your story? How often has it existed? How much of it has to do with the thoughts and the opinions of other people? Um, And then ask and name with specificity what you may be needing right now. We have an incredible needs list on our website that allows for you to engage that on a deeper level. What do I need right now with specificity? So instead of it being Prayer, it might actually be containment. Somebody might just need to sit there with you and let you ver- verbalize all the things that have gone on and like contain it, like put it into a box without them needing to try to fix you or give you any sort of responses. The need for containment is a lot different than the need for prayer or encouragement. Name it with specificity and then um remain. And then you invite the love of God in to come and tend to these places of fear. And you ask, Holy Spirit, what's my first step of obedience from here? And sometimes it's just be with me. And then other times he's going to give you clarity. He's going to give you a specific action point. But pop the pressure bubble of you needing to have the action steps all figured out. It's really just as simple as being in his presence. And the clarity and the direction will always come from that place.
0: Thank you so much, honestly, for doing this work, um, all the works that you're doing and helping to, honestly, I'll be bold enough to say change a generation because I do believe what you said when you said that this generation, particularly we're just, we're doing all of it differently and we're going back to wholeness with Christ and, and we see that and we see the Holy spirit moving, um, in different ways in that area. And so thank you for using your voice and stepping into your calling and your story for helping us to do the same. I so appreciate you. Um, But before we wrap up, I do want to share that for this event that Tori has uh, given us an Ephesians Bible study, which I'm super excited about. Tori, will you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, totally. So Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the Bible, where when we're talking about God-given calling and our place in the kingdom of God and the whole story of the of the gospel, um, you can see so much of that threaded through Ephesians. And so I have a um, an Ephesians Bible study that has, I believe 12, 30 minute audio recordings where I read the text and then we walk through the text together. Um, and it comes with a downloadable like guide to give you some questions on how to like embody this work. Um, so that'll be linked with this training. Yes. Yes.
0: Thank you so much. Um, it was such an honor to have you.